I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello. Mitch just oh. asked a great question. Um, uh, there's a, currently a Zen garden. This is We Are Starting a Cult, actually. Yeah, We Are Starting a Cult. That's Grant. I'm Jake. Mitch is here for the first time in, I think, two weeks. Yeah, it's been a minute since Mitch has been around. But, there, uh, you know, as we were saying, there's a Zen garden on this desk now. and uh, It's a triangle. It comes with this little cube rock thing, and Mitch was wondering if we needed to rub it. And um, I think it's a good idea. For those of you out there, I know we talked some mad shit about you on the Patreon episode, I think. Or maybe it was the actual episode. I don't oh, remember. That was the, re- that was the real was the real yeah, episode. We were talking a lot of shit about crystals. Yeah, but crystal what, are you supposed to rub them? Let me know, because I, I have one here, and I don't know how to treat it properly. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. But. It's never been in the sun. I don't think it's charged. No. It, it was in a box, and now it's just in here. Um. But we're back for another delicious episode for you to devour with your conscious or maybe your subconscious. I don't know. Maybe you'll fall asleep. Maybe while you're we talk. asleep right now. Hello. Um, that's the best way to listen to shows because you don't have to listen to it, and we still get the credit for the download. Yeah. So I highly recommend just listening to all of our episodes while you're asleep because that. Makes us look really good, you know? you just acquire the knowledge, who knows? Yeah, it might just, like, suck into your fucking skull, I don't know. Like so many vacuum cleaners. However, today we are going to be covering an episode that we've actually, we've we've referenced in a lot of different ways and we've kind of brought up in different episodes, but it's getting its own episode here right now. Obviously, if you can read, you know that it's something along the lines of the idea of the hollow earth theory. Okay, With Admiral Bird. Mm-hmm. I um, I want you guys to know this. Okay, um, the hollow earth theory is not uh real, and I, I say this in the sense that the theory is real, but it's never been proven that this is real. It's so who the, knows? It's on the same. I mean, I, I like the Hollow Earth theory. I think it's interesting. Uh, I enjoy it a lot more than other ones. But if you want to get technical, it's on the same level as the Flat Earth theory. It just doesn't have the bandwagon nonsense with it. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Um, but it does uh, It does exist, and this it predates a lot of things. I mean, since... Mitch Mitch thinks that it's easier to prove that the Earth is not flat, and he's a hundred percent factual. Yeah, Mitch, you don't need to like say things to the side. The whole thi- the whole thing is like we're talking. Yeah, he doesn't. He's, he's just talking to the microphone. He doesn't want to interrupt us. But the truth is, that's what this show is. It should just be called Interruption Hour. We interruption. Just, we just kind of talk. You we're know? here to interrupt you. But the Hollow Earth theory goes back. Thousands upon thousands of years in different ways. Um, there, just you know, a little quick bit here. Um, in biblical terms, uh, in Judeo-Christian terms, uh, there are many different religions that truly believe that hell is, you know, underground. It's below the earth. Uh, nowadays, that's not so much 
uh, common practice, I'd say that's a little bit more, it, it's much more metaphysical than that. It's like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just hell. Yeah. It's just where you hell go. Hell is other people when that start or something. Right. But, you know, you go back, uh, in the, probably the best example would be the Divine Comedy, uh, you know, where we go to hell. Um, and that is actually underground. And when you get to the lowest circle of hell, it is a giant pit of ice. Okay? So cold, yeah. Um, so contrary to what science would have you believe, it's actually just a big ice ball down there. Okay, that's what Dante says. But again, see, it is funny. I kind of I was reading a little bit about it just because it it comes up a lot, believe it or not, in Hollow Earth research because people refer to that as one of the most common stories or commonly known stories that references the idea of something being below the Earth's surface. and uh, But what people miss is that uh, that was not written as fact. That was a, a satirical book. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I guess it is interesting because it's old. It's a timepiece. Old as shit, yeah. It is a timepiece. Then we get into some of the more, I guess, contemporary-ish uh, compared to that. We're going to, you know, like the Norse mythology, uh, the way they believe is that the underworld is divided into different sections and they're underground, things of that nature. And possibly, it's never been said that the Egyptians believed in the hollow earth or the underground Afterlife, but there are mentions of certain aspects of their afterlife taking place underground. So this isn't something that just popped up in like you know the 1800s. Or like, what if there's just a city in the middle of the earth right now? It uh, it, it's been discussed throughout the ages that possibly there might be something that maybe you could physically go to, or maybe you know it's something upon death. I mean, it's definitely a more tangible way to look at death. It's like, yeah, there's a city in the earth. It's like, oh, maybe that's why we're buried there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it gives you that that homey touch. Like I got the key. But death. we're not here to, to sit here and bore you with the details of, you know, ancient uh, possibilities of underground life. Not this time, no. No, 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 no. We are here to just kind of talk about... The interestingly wild ride of an individual and some of the more outlandish things that has been said about what might take place below your very feet. Um, before we get into that, um, I want to say this, okay? Um, obviously, for those of you out there that are more critically minded, uh, you don't technically, you're not technically, sorry. You don't really buy into a lot of the uh, nonsense here. This is considered a pseudoscience, okay? And for those, I mean, we all know that term in this room, right? Everybody, you've heard that term? Yes. Well, pseudoscience is exactly the way it sounds. It's something that follows, you know, the typical method of things that the scientific method would follow, but has never been able to be proven that it actually has a function in society. So a couple of examples, like astrology, that is a pseudoscience. There's people that believe it. There's plenty of coincidences that might prove to an individual that, you know, it has merit. But it's never, it's never been scientifically proven that astrology is anything more than just a series of coincidences. You think alchemy would fall under the same category? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Turning shit alchemy, into gold is... is uh, alchemy is alchemy. pseudoscience. Now, however, on the flip side... There's a lot of pseudoscience out there. Hollow Earth falls into that. Uh, flat Earth falls into that. But I also want to take... This is probably the biggest example out there. Um, you, I don't know if you guys know this, but chiropractors are technically pseudoscientific. All right. The act of, the act of chiropractic... Or chiropractic studies. Chiropractician, maybe. That is, uh, it falls under the umbrella of a pseudoscience. But for those of you that have ever been to a chiropractor, you know that they're very real. Uh, they do things that can really help some pain levels. They charge you real money. Oh, well, they do do that. 
Do um, yes. But it, there's, I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's not a he- expansive list of things similar to chiropractors that are, you know, pseudoscientific. But there are things out there that have real-world knowledge and experience that are pseudoscience. Another example is dieting. The idea of dieting is a pseudoscience. It's not proven to work, but everybody tries it. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Uh, For those of you out there, the new diet craze, fasting, uh, fasting is actually a pseudoscience. Intermittent it's, fasting or just fasting in general? Just like both you of just them. don't eat. Both like of them. ever. Both of them. Wow. Um, well, yeah, they just categorize them as one because it's like the same idea just with extra steps. Yeah. But those are both uh, scientifically unproven to do anything to the human body. Now, that doesn't mean they don't work. I mean, we all, you know, everybody knows people that diet or do this or do that. But maybe it doesn't work for you. You know what I mean? It, maybe it does. Who knows? That's just that's the fun of life. Everything everyone's different. Everything's a little unique for everybody. So, with all that being said, you have a little bit of an understanding of pseudoscience is a wide umbrella. Okay, it catches catches a lot of things that aren't real. Uh, which would I mean I'm going to go out on a limb here and tell you that the Earth is not flat. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I How am. Could you? I am no scientist. I am not saying that I'm not open to discussion about it. All I'm, oh, all I'm saying, I'm a globe cuck. You know, I get it. All I'm saying, all I'm gonna say, is that it ain't. It just ain't. It well, just, everyone knows that the Earth is a cube. Remember that episode we had cube Earthers. That is true. We There's got some, that going. Some cubers for us. out I think there. That's Cubert. probably what's real. Uh, but with all that being said, we have a little bit of an idea here that, um, you know, there's, the majority of people out there in this world will immediately deny anything that we say in this episode simply based off of the idea that there's no scientific evidence. And I understand that. However, like with most of our episodes... Shut up. I want you to just, just, just relax. Yeah. Just take a chill pill. Take your personal opinions. Take your personal beliefs. Put them to the side. You know, let this kind of just ooze into your head. Just let it just drip all over your body like a cracked egg. Just let it, you know, flow freely. And then afterwards, I would very much like you to make an opinion and, you know, just kind of have your own have your own mindset. Yeah, live a little. Uh, get lost in the goo. Let yourself hear, you know, perspectives of the world. And then that'll, you know, it'll strengthen or possibly weaken your perspective. But that's that's what perspective is. So with that being said, Jake, why don't we move in to the the interesting character himself. I, I call him Little Bird because he's not as large as Big Bird. And I, there's not many people that have that name. He's not a very tall man. No, he's just kind of average. He isn't a bird, though. I want you to all be aware, very aware of that. He's oh, a, yeah, B-Y-R-D. He is a, a human male um, that you know does human things. Um, Theoretically, some of them. Well, that was a hell of a 12-minute intro. Yeah, so yeah, it was. It let's was. do uh, let's do Admiral E. Uh, Bird, Richard E. Bird, Admiral Richard Evelyn Bird Jr. He was born on October twenty fifth of eighteen eighty eight. It was a long ass fucking time ago. In a town uh, called Kickapoo. I wish. No, the Winchester, Virginia. He was the middle child of his two brothers, Tom and Harry. So, in order of birth, they were literally named Tom, Dick, and Harry. Okay, isn't, isn't that fun? Tom doesn't fit that scheme. If his name what? was Very, then it'd be better. Very Dick and Harry? <laughs> Very Dick Harry. Very Harry Dick. That would be hilarious. Yeah, but you know, I, we can't change that. that the order. <laughs> we can't change any of this. It's already happened. Barry right. McCockiner. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's all you need. So his father was a Commonwealth attorney, and the family had a beautiful garden and a private stable for the boys' ponies. I have a garden, and it's just sand. It is sand. You're You're twiddling with it right now. But yeah, when when they said they had like private things for the ponies, I was like, oh shit, so so like luxurious, so rich. But yeah, now it's it's the year, it's eighteen eighty eight. I'm like, wait, that was probably just standard, wasn't it? You got you got a lot of uh, you have an interesting life if you can afford. Not only if you can afford to have horses, but if you can afford to pamper those horses. That's a and whole have a pony for each boy. That is an entirely different ball game. Okay, that is just a whole new world. 
There you go. Did you guys used to think that ponies were just baby horses? They're not? Nope. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I used to think that totally. I think, uh, yeah, obviously. But I would see the thing about they're ponies. they're so much smaller. They're just horses, though. The thing about ponies is that, like, to me personally, a baby horse is still a pony. It just grows out of it. But it does, you know, it, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, what do they call you know? it? Like a horselet? Exactly. What do, what do it's they like call it? A baby horse it can be a pony. It is a oh, pony. A horse cub. But they grow out of it. But there are ponies that don't grow out of being a pony. You know, they're like they're, they're It's like a, it's like a ho ho and a. Actually, it's not like a ho ho and a it's ding dong like at all. Nothing like the hostess treats you love. They're two very different things. But they, it's, it's, it's shut up. It's, it's kind of like zebra cakes in the name. How in what all way? Right. In any case, in any case, yeah, we get we got we got ponies. We got some fun childhood details there, but let's just get into the the guy and what he did later. Can we talk about ponies again? We can talk about ponies as long as you want. I just want to know. I just I just want to know. Can we all agree that a baby horse, regardless of what size it will be, is a pony? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. We all agree to that. That's fine. Okay. Done. We can move on. Signed. Sealed. I listen to. It. I don't care. I, I don't need. I don't need proof. Okay, I'm a flat earther in that way. I'm a pony. <laughs> I'm a pony truther. All right, you're gonna. You're gonna fucking be real with me here. Yeah. So, so just some fun childhood details there. Admiral Byrd uh, was. Uh, he was remembered in history. He is remembered in history for his many expeditions to the Antarctic and the North and South Poles. Right. So he was just flying, and it was really cold. Those are uh, all not. Fun places to go. They no, sound truly. interesting, but especially back then, they're not where you want to be. It's true. They didn't have heated, insulated buildings with Wi-Fi. Okay, they had nothing. No, just yeah, like, they had nothing. No one was interested in them, except after he went there, because he's even largely... Have, didn't even have fucking planes. It was just like, get in this boat. After him. Up. After him, man, he had the plane. He took it there. He was largely responsible for American interest, both public and governmental, in the polar explorations and science uh, due to his highly publicized stunt flights, such as flying to the North Pole uh, from Russia and back on a single tank of fuel. It took like 15 and a half hours. Damn, that's a big tank, bro. Right? I can't even, like, go a week without having to get gas. Like, I don't know how this fucking guy's doing that. Yeah, it was never done by anyone previous. Uh, let's see, let's see. He also, uh, he served in both World War One and World War Two, and was heavily decorated. He, there's a long-ass list of medals. Uh, Congressional Gold Medal, Legion of Merit, Distinguished Flying Cross, Navy Distinguished Service Medal, uh, Navy Cross, as well as the Medal of Honor. He got the Medal of Honor. So this guy was, he was great. He was an ambitious guy. But, uh, but we're not going to, uh, we spent too much time on him. Because this episode focuses mostly on what happened in a specific expedition in uh, 1947, February 19th, as a part of Operation High Jump. And it's the one where they taught all those infants how to jump really high. Yeah, this is the ultimate uh, Olympic training. And they would jump so high that they would distract Hitler for about 45 seconds, and then they could just... <laughs> That's time enough. You know, just That's swoop right in. more than time enough. That was the goal. Yeah. So, uh, so Admiral Byrd during this uh, this particular expedition, uh, he had a, his own personal diary and, and a flight log that he kept. And we're just gonna go into that. Let's just start reading that. So the flight log, base camp, Arctic, two nineteen nineteen forty seven, six hundred hours. All preparations are complete for our flight northward, and we are airborne with full fuel tanks at six ten hours. Okay. There we go. Very normal. 620 hours. Uh, fuel mixture on starboard engine seems too rich. Adjustments made by Pratt Whitney's uh, are running smoothly. Everything's still fine. Hours. Uh, 730 hours. Radio check with base camp. All is well and radio reception is normal. Pretty normal stuff. 740 hours. Uh, note slight leak of oil from the starboard engine. Oil pressure indicator seems normal, however. So this is all just very boring, as you can see. And that's the episode. It's just him <laughs> flying Isn't around. Isn't that crazy? Huh, you guys aren't going to believe it. He got there in 15 and a half hours. Like, can you believe that? that was just... Can you believe it? All right, we'll see you next week. We'll see, see you later. next week. <laughs>
800 hours. Slight turbulence noted from easterly direction at altitude of 2321 feet. Correction to 1700 feet. No further turbulence, but tailwind increases. Slight adjustment in throttle controls aircraft. Performing very well now. 1815 hours. Or 815 hours, sorry. Radio check with base camp. Situation normal. Takes a while. Takes a while. 8.30 hours. Turbulence again. Don't you hate that? Increased altitude to 2900 feet. Smooth flight conditions again. Alright. Okay. So 9.10 hours. Vast ice and snow below. Note correlation. Coloration, sorry. Note coloration of yellow nature. And uh, disperse in a linear pattern. Altering course uh, for better examination of this color pattern below. Note also a reddish and purple color. Strange. Uh, circle this area two full turns and return to assigned compass heading. Position check made again for base camp and relay information concerning colorations in the ice and snow below. Nine, ten hours again. It's the same time. You should have just made this the same note. Both magnetic and gyro compasses beginning to gyrate and wobble. You know what a gyration compass is supposed to do? Or maybe I'm Probably. just ignorant to what that term is. Or in the order of what it is, it's both magnetic and gyro and then gyrate and wobble. So maybe the magnetic one is gyrating while the gyro is wobbling. Oh, see, So things are all out of whack. It's backwards. I wouldn't... I wouldn't really think magnet would wobble, I guess, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, things do happen. I guess. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on but here. But a gyro is going to gyro. That's what it does. You know, it's going to gyro. But yeah. it's just how it goes. I don't know. Maybe Now I want a fucking gyro, and I know I'm not pronouncing that to your guys' likings, but I don't care. Some nice tajiki and feta. Nice. Someone out there is like, he's saying it wrong. Yes, I know. Okay? Everyone's saying it wrong. It doesn't even. It's not even real. I know. I'm saying it wrong, that but I'm okay with it. Sandwich has never been and never will be. Anyway, uh, we are unable to hold our heading uh, by instruments because of these compasses fucking up. So uh, take bearing with sun compass. Yet all seems well. The controls are seemingly slow to respond and have sluggish quality. Uh, but there is no indication of icing. Like oh, a, like, like a, cake? a cake? Yes, like a cake. These cookies are unfrosted. I must land now. Where is the nearest bakery? <laughs> bakery, yeah. So 9.15 hours. In the distance is what appears to be mountains. This is where it starts ramping. All right. Uh, 9.49 hours. 29 minutes elapsed. Uh, flight time from the first sighting of the mountains and it is no illusion. There are mountains and uh, consisting of small ranges that I have never seen before. So these are new mountains. You found some mountains up there in the Arctic. 9.55 hours. Altitude changed to 29.50 feet. Uh, encountering strong turbulence again. 10 or 1,000. Is it 1,000 hours or 1,000? It would be like 10, 1,000. It's like 10 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> why, why do we keep having to do this military bullshit? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 10, 10 o'clock at this it's, time. It's 10 a.m. All right, so we are crossing over a small mountain range and still proceeding uh, northward as best we can, uh, as best as can be ascertained, rather. Uh, beyond the mountain range is what appears to be a valley with small rivers or streams running through it, uh, you know, through the center portion. There should be no... Yeah, there should be no green valley below. Something is definitely wrong and abnormal here. We should be over ice and snow. To the port side are uh, great forests growing on the mountain slopes. Our navigation instruments are still spinning, and the gyroscope is oscillating. See, it's not doing the right thing, Grant. It's oscillating. Back and forth. It's not even fucking wobbling anymore. It's oscillating now. It's a whole different ballgame. It's doing all these different things. Whole different ballgame, folks. I hope you're ready because, oh, it's fucking oscillating. It's not good. 10.05. Oscillation continues. AM. Or 1,005 hours. It's so stupid. Why can't we just... All right, anyway. I, it's 10.15. They're still serving <laughs> it's fucking... It's 10.05. 
There's oh ten oh five. There's five. They're still serving McGriddles most places. You know yeah, everything's fine. So uh, yeah, ten oh five hours. Uh, he says I alter altitude to fourteen hundred feet and execute a sharp left turn to better examine the valley below. It is green with either moss or some type of tight knit grass. A uh, light there. The light there seems different. It cannot. I cannot see the sun anymore. He can't see the sun. The sun's gone. So we make another left turn, and we spot what seems to be a large animal of some kind below us. It appears to be an elephant. No! It looks more like a mammoth. This is incredible, yet there uh, there it is. There it is. Uh, decrease altitude to 1,000 feet and take out binoculars to better examine the animal. It is confirmed it is definitely a mammoth-like creature. Report this to base camp. All so right. he reported this. He's like, there's a fucking mammoth out here. And it's like the goddamn Amazon. Yeah, that's, that's he's in the Arctic. Why is this? Why is this a thing? That's weird. It's weird. I have a theory that I'll hold on to here for a minute. All right, all right. So ten thirty a.m. Encountering more rolling green hills now. The external temperature indicator leads uh, reads seventy four degrees Fahrenheit. So it is is it balmy seventy four? Okay. Uh, continuing on our heading now. Navigation instruments seem normal now. I am puzzled over their actions. Uh, attempt to contact base camp. Radio is not functioning. So the radio's out. No connection. He's on his own. All right. So, so an hour later. This is not Jesus Christ. 1130. Countryside below is more level and normal, if I may use that word. Ahead, we spot what seems to be a city. This is impossible. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. Uh, so the controls refuse to, sp- to respond. My God. Off our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They are closing rapidly alongside. And uh, they are a disc shape and have a radiant quality to them. They are close enough now to see the markings on them. It is a type of swastika. This is fantastic. So those two sentences are right next to each other. Is a type of swastika. This is fantastic. Uh, where are we? What, is, uh, what has happened? I, I tug at the controls again and they will not respond. We are caught in an invisible vice grip of some type. So this is very much uh, uh, getting more exciting, wouldn't you say? I would say... Because he's just in the Arctic. I do want to clarify. Um, I mean, I don't know this guy personally, but I'm pretty, pretty confident that that statement, uh, it's some type of swastika, how fantastic. I don't think he was approving of the swastika. I think it was more like... It's the older ter- like way of using the word fantastic. It's more... It's like, it's like a fantasy. It's more like, holy shit. I, guys, it's a swastika. This guy fought in World War II, okay? He was not a German, so it's, uh, he's, he's fine. Give him a pass. After swastikas is, is four exclamation points, and then this is fantastic. Okay, maybe. Period. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's. Maybe I don't he's know pro-Nazi. what that says about it. I'm I'd, just telling you that you know. I'm not sure what this guy's deal is. You know, I don't know what he's into. <clears throat> I have no idea. All right, eleven thirty-five a.m. Our radio crackles, and a voice comes through in English, with what perhaps is a slight Nordic or German accent. The message is "Welcome, Admiral, to our domain." Uh, we shall land you in exactly seven minutes. Relax, Admiral. You are in good hands. I note that the engines of our plane have stopped running. The aircraft is under some sort of strange control and is now turning itself. The controls are useless. So he's just being uh, taken somewhere by these what sound like Nazi UFOs. All right, that's just what they sound like, in my opinion. Another radio message is received at 11:40 a.m. Uh, we begin to uh, we begin the landing process now, and in moments uh, and in moments the plane shudders slightly and begins to descend as though caught in some sort of great unseen elevator. Uh, the downward motion is negligible, and we touch down with only a slight jolt. Grant, you're falling asleep. Your eyes are closed. I see. Nope, I'm just listening. All right. I don't want to be distracted. I'm very distracted, so I'm listening. All right, 11.45 hours. You got to get that Zen garden away from you. It's taking your... It's it's, it's a mind virus. It's taking my It's taking you away. That's why I'm just laying... I'm sitting... I'm not laying here. I'm just sitting here with my eyes closed. I'm envisioning... You're like rocking as if you're 
consoling yourself. These UFO Nazis, I'm like really, really taking it in. I'm yeah, eating right. it up like it's right. mind soup. Yes, good. 11.45 a.m. I am making a hasty last entry into the flight log. Several men are approaching on foot towards the aircraft. They are tall with blonde hair. In the distance is a large shimmering city pulsating with rainbow hues of color. I do not know what is going to happen now, but I see no signs of weapons on those approaching. I hear now a voice ordering me to, uh, by name to open the cargo door. I comply. Okay, so that's the end of the log. But from here, he has like a little account that he wrote out of what happened after this. Because, you know, uh, after I read through it, you'll realize why he cannot write this down. Yeah, yeah. All right. Where do we start? He says, from this point, I write all the following events here from memory. It defies the imagination. It would seem all but madness uh, if it did not happen. The radio man and I are taken from the aircraft, and we are received in the most cordial of manner. Uh, we were then boarded onto a small platform-like conveyance with no wheels. It's just a floating platform. It moves us towards the glowing city with great swiftness. All right, very fast. Also, we approach. As Not also. As we approach. The city seems to be made of crystal material. So, crystal city. Uh, soon we arrive at a large building that is a type I have never seen before. I appear, it appears uh, to be right out of the design board for Frank Lloyd Wright, or perhaps more correctly, out of a Buck Rogers setting. Do you know who either of those men are? Um, I know Frank Lloyd Wright. Buck Rogers, that name sounds familiar, but if you ask me that question, I have no idea. Yeah. All right, well, it's, it looks like that. So we are given some type of oh, I warm... thought you were going to answer that question. I was like, well, no. I'm waiting for it. Nope, I'm waiting for the answers from you. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's an architect. I know that. He does some weird fucking buildings. There you go. So it's a weird building he's seeing. I Actually, I'm, I don't... I'm, I think that... Is he still alive, actually? I don't I know. I have no idea. Mitch, are you on the case? But Buck Rogers, I don't... I can't say I know who that is. Yeah, Buck Rogers setting on the swing. Sci-fi movies. Oh, it's very sci-fi-ish. All right, so we it? got we have right, cool. like sci-fi architecture. Yeah, okay. very sci-fi architecture made of crystals, and he's being taken there on a floating platform really quick. So uh, we are given some type of warm beverage, which tastes like nothing I have ever savored before. Ayahuasca. It is delicious. That's what it says. So after about 10 minutes, two of our wondrous, uh, wondrous appearing hosts... Uh, come to our quarters and announce that I am to accompany them. All right. So he's going with these people. They're blonde. They're they're tall. I have no choice but to comply. All right. So I leave my radio men behind and we walk a short distance and enter into what seems to be an elevator. Uh, we descend downward for some moments and the machine stops and the door lifts silently upward. We then proceed down the long hallway that is lit by a rose-colored light that seems to be emanating from the very walls themselves. It kind of sounds like he just wandered into, like, a rave. Yeah, a little bit. Do you think? He's there's just crystals, chilling. there's rainbows, there's lit, lit up walls. What are you talking about? There's glow sticks and fucking nitrous balloons and... Poppers. Man, I'm having a great time. Uh, Molly, there's some dead people on the ground. This EDM band is going crazy. <laughs> this is great. It's like audio of crying babies and shit. It's weird. All right, so uh, they're emanating from themselves. They're the rose-colored pink walls. Uh, one of the uh, the beings, one of the beings, uh, motions for us to stop before a great door. Over the door is an inscription that I cannot read. The great door slides noiselessly up, and I am beckoned to enter. One of my hosts speaks. Have no fear, Admiral. You are uh, to have an audience with the master. Doesn't that... Why would that not make you uh, uh, fearful? Yeah, I guess that's You know, a good like point. They, just any authority figure, whether it's not... Hey, who is this master? It's like, no, don't worry. He's just in charge of everything. It seems a bit... Uh, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's not right at all. So, I step inside. My eyes adjust to the beautiful coloration that seems to be filling the room completely. Then, I begin to see my surroundings, okay? 
What greeted my eyes is the most beautiful sight in my entire existence. Uh, it is, in fact, too beautiful and wondrous to describe. It is exquisite and delicate. I, I don't know. I, I don't think there exists a human term that could describe it in any detail with justice. So this guy is just blown away. It was Mario He has some Lopez. sort of boner, whether it's like metaphysical or, or physical. Either way, this guy is loving what he's seeing. I'm telling you, it was Mario Lopez. That's what it was. <laughs> it's just the walls are Mario Lopez. <laughs> Apparently, Mitch was going to say a pair of tits. <laughs> yeah, I guess Mario Lopez is the pair of tits of, yeah. of Mitchell. It's Mario Lopez with enormous breasts. <laughs> That's just the it's best, the best case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this guy was loving whatever he was seeing, and he doesn't go on to describe exactly what it was. He just keeps saying, like, there's not a human term. Anyway, my thoughts are interrupted in a cordial manner by a warm, rich voice of melodious quality. All right, I bid you... Josh Groban, what are you doing here? (laughs) I bid you welcome to our domain, Admiral. I see a man with uh, delicate features and with the the etching of years upon his face. He's an old guy. He's an older guy. It's great. He is uh, seated at a long table. He motions for me to sit down in one of the chairs. After I'm seated, he places his fingertips together and smiles. He speaks softly again and conveys the following. We have let you... (laughs) It's always chess. It's like, what the fuck was that? It's like it was just a series of dolphin noises. No, so we have. Uh, here's what he said. All right, so we have let you enter here because you are of noble character and well known on the surface world, admirable admiral. And admiral says, "Surface world." I have hardly <laughs> knew her. <laughs> he uh, half gasped under his breath. You didn't get that joke down here yet, guys. It's coming. It's good. You it's get a it? good one. You understand? Anyway, so yes, the master replies with a smile. You are in the domain of the. Ariani, the uh, the inner world of the Earth. Isn't that isn't that crazy? We shall no longer delay your mission, and you will be safely escorted back to the surface, and uh, you know for the distance beyond. But now, Admiral, I shall tell you why you have been summoned here. Our interests rightly begin just after your race exploded the first atomic bomb over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. Or Hiroshima. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'd say Hiroshima. I get flack for it from Georgie, but it's both. I don't care. You, you say both. That's fine. Either way. It was uh, It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Fluggle Rads. The, the Fluggle Rads. Fluggle Rags? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fluggle Rads. I got, I got one of those. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's only like 70000 It's It's really not that expensive anymore. Yeah, it's just a Nazi UFO. But I got the Flugel Rag XV. It's like the newer model. You know, it's, it's pretty sick. I ain't gonna yeah, lie. Fucking slam that shit and pretty tin sick. out the windows. Anyway, uh, to, they sent these machines. Here, let's, let's go back. It was at this alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugle Rads. Yeah, the Flugle Googles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. What have you done, they said. Uh, this is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral. This was two years after it happened. Uh, yeah, dear Admiral, but I, mu- I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before with your race's wars or uh, barbarity, you know. Uh, but now we must, for you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man, namely that of atomic energy. Okay. Our emissaries have uh, already delivered messages to the powers of the world, and yet they are not heeded. Okay, we're not heeding these powers, worlds, fucking shit. It's not, it's not, no one's listening. All right. So now you have been chosen to be witness to what our world, that, uh, that our world does exist. All right, you see, our culture and science is many thousands of years beyond your race, Admiral. And he interrupts. Admiral interrupts. He says, but what does this have to do with me, sir? All right, that's what he says. He's getting kind of agitated. And he looks at him and he says, poo-poo pee-pee. You must go. He said, where's the beef? (laughs) You must go. And thus, the greatest commercial ever created by man was born. I really just want to buy a Honda. 
But anyway, so yeah, the master's eyes seemed to penetrate deeply into my mind. And after studying me for a few moments, he replied, Your race has now reached the point of no return. For there are those among you who would destroy your very world rather than relinquish their power as they know it. So isn't that fun? He said, I nodded. I, I agreed. I, I nodded. Yeah, yeah. And the no. master continued. All right. <laughs> In 1945 and afterwards, we tried to contact your race, but our efforts were met with uh, hostility. You kept, We just kept leaving voicemails, and they just weren't returning our calls. <laughs> One guy even fucking went to the North Pole and left a bag of dog poop on fire at the entrance. And we so just, disrespectful. It was Very so disrespectful. rude. So rude. Yeah, met with hostility. Our flugelrads were fired upon. We're shooting at these Nazi aliens, all right? Well, yeah, I mean, bro, you're brandishing a Nazi fuck. Yeah, symbol. you can't really do that anymore. It, it might not even be the UFO thing. It might be the Nazi thing. You know, that's like, oh, God, yeah, they're It's back. not your fault. The Nazis ruined it, but just know that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You just, just, just keep that in mind. I mean, mind. chances are you probably had it first, but their name is all, also very similar to the Aryans. So, yeah. you know, it's all connecting. Yeah, the Flugelrads were fired upon. Yes, even pursued with uh, malice and animosity by your fighter planes. So now I say to you, my son, uh, there is a great storm gathering in your world, a black fury that will not spend uh, itself for many years. There will, uh, there will be no answer in your arms, okay? There will be no safety in your science. It may rage on uh, until uh, every flower of your culture is trampled. So he's he's going to trample our garden. And all human things are leveled in vast chaos. So this is very poetic and beautiful. But it's all terrible. It sounds awful. Your recent war uh, was only the prelude to what is yet to come of your race. We here, uh, we here see it uh, a little more clearly with each other. Uh, do you say I am mistaken? So what do you say, Grant? You say he's mistaken? No. No, that's I, exactly what Admiral Byrd said. He said no. I think, yeah, this guy's making a lot of sense. I, I get, I'm get, i on his side. Oh, yeah. And then it gets into some weird shit. He's like, no. Madonna I, will fall at the Super Bowl performance halftime show. <laughs> Good God. There will be a wardrobe malfunction with Miss One Jackson, and it will be... All over the news. It's like, oh my god. Not Janet. Oh no, the the Jackson name is now disparaged for that one reason. You know nothing of Bill Cosby's secret life. Good lord. <laughs> Would that be insane? Oh god. Alright, so, uh, yeah, Admiral Bird said, No, I answer. It happened once before. The Dark Ages came and they lasted for more than 500 years. That's Admiral Bird saying that. What is he talking about? Do you know? Maybe like Grant? the Renaissance? Like, that's what I was thinking, but I'm like, that's so weird that he would just immediately just... Or maybe he Without just, even clarification, he's like, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Maybe he's like referencing the actual Dark Ages, you know? Like ancient yeah. times of just like all out like war, maybe colonization, something like that. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Mitch, for, uh, Mitch wanted me to repeat it. Um, so, uh, so the master, he's like, oh, do you think we're mistaken? And then uh, Admiral Byrd was like, no, uh, it happened once before and the Dark Ages came and they lasted for more than 500 years. Isn't that super? That's crazy. Maybe Admiral Byrd knows something that we don't know. Maybe, Maybe. he knows about, you know, ancient technology I don't or know what wavelength he's on, but him and the Master are on the same one. Yeah, Because he's, he's, he just said, yes, my son. He's way above my pay grade, man, yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he said, yes, my son, uh, said, replied the Master. The dark ages that will come now for your race will cover the earth like a uh, pall. You know what a, a pale? A P-A-L-L? You know what that is? A pall? A pall? Like a pall bearer? I, I don't like, think uh, like that. I don't think so either. I've never seen this word in my life. I'm assuming it's some type of tree, perhaps. Like a, a large tree. Mitch, can you look up a pall? P-A-L-L. Uh, I don't know what that anyway, is. Anyway, so th this dark age is going to cover the earth like one of those. Uh, but I believe that, this is the master speaking, but I believe that some of your race will live through the storm. Beyond that, I cannot say. Uh, we see at a great distance in the new world, stirring from the ruins of your race, seeking its lost and legendary treasures. And they will uh, they will be here, my sons, safe and in our keeping. What, what was that, Mitch? We got two 
definitions here. A cloth that is spread over a coffin, hearse, or tomb. And it could also mean a dark cloud or covering of smoke, dust, or similar matter. You know what? Both those fit. Okay. Both those fit quite nicely, actually. All right, well. I'm going to go with the cloth one. That one sounds more, it, it's more poetic. Yeah, you know? it's more fun. Uh, so, yeah, he's talking it's about the legendary treasures. It's going to be a death blanket. Death blankets all up the ass. So, uh, he's talking about legendary treasures. He's like, yes, my son. He keeps calling him his son. Maybe he's God. I don't know. Uh, safe in our keeping. So, they have all the treasures. They have everything that they could ever want down there, says the master. They have our entire backlog of episodes saved on a hard drive down there. Exactly. We are really big on the center of the earth. That's where we get most of our views. But, um, so, this is still the master talking. When that time arrives, we shall come forward again and help revive your culture and uh, and your race. Perhaps by then you will have learned the futility of war and its strife. And after that time, certain uh, certain of your culture and science uh, will be returned. Wait. Yeah, certain of your culture and science will be returned for your race to begin anew. You, my son. My son again. What the fuck? Are a uh, return, are to return to the surface world with this message. So he's like, basically, you're beyond the point of return. Everything's going to get super fucked up, but eventually we're going to come out and help you. Uh, just go let them know. So that's basically what the uh, the master says. Mm-hmm. Okay. Master. Yeah. All right. So uh, with these closing words, our meeting seemed to end. I stood for a moment as in a, uh, in a deem. I think he meant dream as in a deem. But yet I knew this was reality. And for some strange reason, I uh, bowed slightly, either out of respect or humility. I do not know which. So he's bowing. He's bowing. All right. So suddenly I was again aware that the two beautiful hosts who had brought me there were again by my side. This way, Admiral, motioned one. I turned once more before leaving and looked back towards the master. A gentle smile with the etch. Was uh, was etched on his uh, delicate and ancient face. Farewell, my son. My son again. He spoke, uh, then gestured with a lovely, slender hand of emotion, of uh, uh, you know, peace. And uh, and our meeting was truly ended. So he's leaving the master's chamber. All right. So quickly we walked back through the great door of the master's chamber and once again entered into the elevator. The door slid silently downward, and we were once again going upward. You know, that's the second time he mentioned that the elevator doors were silent. I guess I, elevators I, were loud as shit back then. I feel, they're still pretty loud today. Like they make no, there's no silent elevators, yeah. and I think that this guy was onto something. Like he really thought that that was that's where he knew it was real. He's like, man, these elevators are too good. Yeah, that's why the fucking doors in here. like Star Trek were so like crazy to people, and they're like, yeah, they have two people on either side pulling them apart, but they're just completely silent. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that Star Trek happen. blew the minds of a whole generation. That doesn't happen. It doesn't. So, uh, let's see. Where are we? We got the two motions in there, in there, and uh, they're going up the door. It's silent. All right, wait a minute. God damn it. Uh, I spoke again. Uh, quickly, we walked past uh, the great door of the master's chamber, and once again, we entered the elevator, and the door slid silently downward. That's where we were, and we were at uh, once. Uh, we were at once going upward. All right. So one of my hosts spoke again. We must now make haste, Admiral, as the master's uh, desire uh, to delay you are. Um, they've run out. It's no longer. You have to be on your, your schedule, your timetable. We, we don't want you here anymore, yeah, bro. You must return with this message to your race, okay? So uh, Admiral was just like, you know what? I said nothing. I said nothing. All of this was almost beyond belief, and once again, my thoughts were interrupted as we stopped. I entered the room and was again with my radio man, and he had an anxious, anxious expression on his face. As I approached, I said, it's all right, Howie. It's all right. So he's, he's consoling Howie in this moment. That'll do, Howie. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do, Howie. So the two beings motioned us towards the awaiting conveyance. Uh, we boarded, and as soon uh, we soon arrived back at the aircraft. The engines were idling, and we were boarded immediately. The whole atmosphere seemed uh, charged now with a certain air of urgency. 
after the cargo door was closed and the aircraft was immediately lifted by that unseen force, uh, you know, until we reached uh, an altitude of 2,700 feet. Uh, two of the aircrafts were alongside, uh, the you know, the Nazi UFOs. Two of the aircrafts were alongside for uh, some distance, guiding us on our uh, return way. I must state here the airspeed indicator registered no reading, yet we were moving along at a very rapid rate. Okay, so they're going quick. The Nazi UFOs are carrying them. That's great. All right, so this this is where it comes back in with the timestamps. All right, so this is 2.15. So this all happened within like two hours, mm-hmm. something like that. 2.15, a radio message comes through. We are leaving you now, Admiral. Uh, your controls are free. Auf Wiedersehen. Wiedersehen? Auf Wiedersehen. You know, one of those. Auf Wiedersehen. All right, we watched for a moment as the Fluggerads, Fluggerads, I can never pronounce this, Fluggerads uh, disappeared into the pale blue sky. The aircraft suddenly felt as though it uh, caught in a sharp downdraft for a moment, and we quickly recovered her control. So we do not speak for some time. Each man has his thoughts. Okay. All right. So five minutes later. There's so much shit. All right, so five minutes later. Uh, radio message, of Peter saying all that stuff. So we are again over vast areas of ice and snow in approximately 27 minutes from base camp. We radio them. They respond. We report all conditions normal. Normal. That's actually written in there with the, with the dots. Normal. Normal. Yeah. So it's really, he's, it seems like he's writing a movie. But uh, base camp expresses relief at our reestablished contact. Three o'clock. We land smoothly at base camp. I have a mission. All right. That, that's the end of the log. So, yeah, he was only gone for a couple of hours. That's real. Well, on Earth time, I should say. Yeah. Surface Earth time. So that's like the diary like about the expedition. Mm-hmm. He has a couple other entries afterward. You want me to read those? Because that's where it kind of gets a little juicy when it comes to the uh, the government. I say go for it. All right. You know what? On March 11th of 1947, I have just attended a staff meeting at the Pentagon. I've stated fully my discovery and the message from the master. All is duly recorded. The president has been advised. I am now detained for several hours. Six hours and 39 minutes to be exact. I am uh, interviewed intently by top security forces and a medical team. It was an ordeal with six exclamation points. I am placed under strict control via the national security provisions of the United States of America. I am ordered to remain silent in regard to all of what I have learned on the behalf of humanity. Incredible. I am reminded that I am a military man and I must obey orders. Yes. So they told him to shut the fuck up. Pretty much, Basically. Yeah. Pretty pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's that's just what the military's going to do. I mean, you can find a fucking number two pencil, and they're going to be like, who's is this? So, like, don't ever speak of that again. That's just how it goes. Yeah. All right, so this is the final entry, okay? Oh, everything's going wrong. So, these last few, le- few years elapsed, because he made this uh, December 30th of 1956 is his final final entry into this these last few years elapsed since 1947 have not been kind all right i am now i now make my final entry in this singular diary in closing i must state that i have faithfully kept this matter secret as direct as directed all these years it has been completely against my values and moral right now i seem to sense a long night coming on and this secret will not die with me. But as all truth shall, it will triumph, and so it shall. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. I See, I'm in a weird spot. Is it, that's the last entry you said, right? Well, there's a little bit more, but it's a lot more of the impending doom stuff. It's like, I'll just read it. Uh, this can be the only hope for mankind. I have seen the truth and it's quickened my spirit and has set me free. 
I have done my duty towards the monstrous military-industrial complex. Uh, now the long night begins to approach, but there shall be no end. Terrible. Uh, so just as the long night of the Arctic ends, the brilliant sunshine of truth shall come again, <laughs> and then those who are of darkness shall fall in its light. For I have seen the land beyond the pole, that center of the great unknown. And that's it. He signs off. He's like, Admiral Richard E. Byrd, United States Navy, 24, December of 56. Damn. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. That's what we're fucking talking about. I I gotta be honest. Uh, listening to this whole story here, I... That had to have been like three pages. No, yeah, it was It was. It's pretty, like not like a substantial amount of information at all, but it's like, holy shit. It's a lot shit. to digest. It's not a lot to like read. It's just a lot to see. I really need to get better at reading. Oh, loud. you did fine, man. You did perfectly <laughs> fine. Um, I'm going to say this. To be completely honest with you, as far as uh, the show goes, I feel, I feel as if uh, in a very unprecedented turn of events, I don't particularly want to give an opinion on this i really don't really i don't i feel that this story kind of speaks for itself it should be it should be what the listener wants it to be i don't want to sway anybody so you think this is a true form of art i do i think story i think uh you know and it's i'll tell you this i'll be honest it's, it's slightly a cop-out because i haven't even fully digested it yet I'm still. It's gonna take me a couple of days to like sit on this and be like, "Do I believe that?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Very and, strange things surrounding it too. I mean, like me and Mitch, were, well, Mitch specifically, because he was asking some questions about it before we started recording. I was like, "I don't know." He's like, "You should probably know that." So he like was looking some stuff up, and apparently, like this diary, like he did keep his word, like he said in the uh, in the in the diary there. But uh, Admiral Richard E. Byrd's Bird Junior's son. Uh, Richard E. Bird the Third. He apparently Bird the Third. Yeah. <laughs> so he everybody's found this heard. Diary. Everybody knows that Bird's the Bird Third. The Third. Bird is the Third. Anyway, so he like is the one who found the diary and is the reason that it's kind of out in the public. And he died under some weird circumstances. Mitch, you probably know better than I do about the specifics of the circumstances. Yeah. But he was like a Harvard graduate. You said right? Yeah. No, he was. Yeah. He was a military guy, just like his father, and he yeah. he like loved his his father yeah so he like emulated his life like with his yeah so uh apparently well they do the cop out like they said that he had dementia like later in his life so apparently they're supposed to go to this event that was honoring his father in dc it was like a hundred years uh since his birth and Essentially, what happened was he was supposed to meet his wife there, but he never made it, and he was actually missing for a couple weeks, and they found him dead in, like, some warehouse somewhere, like, some vacant, like, dirty warehouse. Yeah. And super, super weird circumstances. Yeah, so apparently, said, like, a janitor was, like, shooing him away yeah. as, like, a vagrant or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, they thought he was, like, you know, like a, uh, like a uh, homeless person or a drifter or something like that. And it was weird because they they said that he was missing his teeth, and like he he talked like he was like like yeah a vagrant yeah, but it's just it's just odd because like yeah this is this is a guy who's a Harvard graduate, and all of a sudden in a couple weeks yeah and like the only pe- the only person that sees him is like some janitor and. They think he's, you know, some drifter, homeless person, or drug addict, or yeah. something. And in all honesty, it sounds like he was trying to live up to his father's name and like trying to honor him and that kind of shit. But yeah, and the cause of death for him was ruled to be like, what was it malnourishment and and like dehydration? Super weird way to die. Yeah, very fishy. Like it, 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 it just so happens that he was the person that made this diary entry public of his father's. Very strange. Yeah, I I don't I just felt like that should be in there. I I think this is no, I'm glad you added that cuz that that really adds to the kind of overall feel of this story. Yeah, like what are they hiding? I want you as the listener. I'm very inspired by this, okay? I, mean, I really am. Um 
I want you to take some time and just think about this. And uh, think about the reality of what he's saying. I mean, we know, I know we don't know this guy personally. But, you know, we have some of his background. You know, we know that this guy fought in both world wars. Uh, he was very, you know, decorated in both military and in just America at the time. And he was, like, tenacious as fuck, dude. I mean, to get a lot of these voyages funded and everything, he had to, like, be on the phones, like, asking for money from different people. Apparently, one of the main reasons he was actually able to do the Antarctic expeditions was because he was good friends with uh, Henry Ford's son. Oh, so former he, Nazi. Yeah, and he apparently, yeah, pretty much. And he apparently, like, funded a lot of the uh, aspects of his expeditions. He went, like, hit the plane that he used was a Ford Damn. plane. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm going to say I want to leave this up to the viewer. I want no, for me personally, I want no swaying. I want none of my opinion injected. Just let it ride. Start a cult at gmail.com. Let us know. What yeah. do you think? Let it ride. Let it ride. This is very interesting. And don't. Does the master exist? I'll tell you this. No matter what occurs next week as far as the episode goes um i want to come back to this i want this to be even even if it's just the intro i want to come back to this no we will dude i love episodes like this i do this was also like a uh, a fan uh uh, request yeah it was jones again it was mr jonesy fly on the wall i'm gonna tell you this this is very intriguing and it's sparking things in my head uh possibly we'll see what happens uh possibly in the future possibly even soon future i'm glad you're reacting like this you were totally just nodding out while i was but no 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 see because here's the thing i want i'll just say this on the show as opposed to saying it as soon as we stop the show it's usually what happens this was actually going to be this was just like a a one-parter you know um i did a lot of research into like pseudoscience and the theory of the hollow earth but i know that I wanted to get the story out because that that's you know that's the meat and the potatoes of this, but it really it kind of makes me want to revisit some of the research that I did and plug in some other individuals i e mr Corey good uh that weirdo that crazy guy people like that i uh i mean we're gonna we'll reconvene but i i think I think this might have to be extended all right I really do because right. there's this story, it kind of has a lot of shit, and we don't really get to unpack all of that. You I know didn't what I even mean? mention, yeah, this guy, it's, I don't, it, it doesn't really have much to do with the Hollow Earth itself, just like more the guy that it came from, mm. but he had this, this book uh, that he did on one of his experiences called Alone, where he was just alone in the Arctic with no connection to anyone in the outside world for like months. Damn. That's and, like that Dick Krennicky yeah. dude. Like, and he I, just went and, like, yeah. built a cabin. Dude, I think he got, like, he was made to retire from the Navy because he was, like, sending out pictures of himself, like, no haircut, and he was just, like, chilling out, reading, just in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, but I don't know. This guy himself is interesting. Hollow Earth itself is extremely interesting. Don't know how real it is, but you know what? That's the fun. It's full of characters like this guy. So, it is. No, it is. And this I'm is sure fun. there's other diary pages with pretty good stuff. Oh, I would have to say the same. Yeah. And to note, uh, there are a lot of different stories about the Hollow Earth. Like from, you know, a- ancient accounts and, you know. Yeah, we, we brushed up on that yeah, a little like bit. Yeah, kind of like what Grant was talking about. Yeah, with like the Nordics and all mm-hmm. that shit. But yeah, so and Dante. This is very intriguing. It's It's making me... We haven't done an episode like this in a while where I'm, it's very, like, it's making the motor run. You know, it's, I'm thinking... I haven't seen you so taken aback. I'm thinking future here. Long time. So, I, uh, I'll i be honest. I mean, I'll, I'm going to say this. I think that that's this week's episode. Yeah, Richard E. Bird. There you go. Richard E. Bird Jr. Yeah. His middle name was Evelyn. Evelyn. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is the episode, and I think that in the near future... Uh, you guys can expect uh, some some more information, not about Mr. Bird, but we're gonna take this a step further yeah. and kind of we could piece in uh, if you like we said you know email us, let us know kind of what you think, and we can kind of piece some things together and create a larger image for you. Yeah, you think it was uh, related to Larry Bird? Uh, different spelling, but you know close enough. It's you know, it's always possible. You know what I'm saying? I don't know anything. But that is our episode for the week. I it think, is. Because we are starting a cult that's grand. I'm Jake Mitch is here. 
Mitch is it's here. It's amazing. So uh, you can follow us on all the shit. We got Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We also have the email, startacult at gmail.com. Send us some of your opinions, maybe thoughts, maybe ideas for things, for anything. The show, life, uh, your life, who knows. But anyway, uh, and then we also got the Patreon and YouTube. The Patreon link is below. Yes, 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 yes. So we're going to go to a Railcats game now. That is true. Um, probably leave here in the next 20 minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, we're going to go watch some um, some minor league baseball and have a good day. Yeah, very much. We love you all, and we'll see you next uh, Friday. Patrons on Thursday. Love you. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.